No, the days aren't so dark that I'm ready to write some kind of postscript on the season. However, when that day arrives, whether it's two weeks from now or two months from now, one chapter that'll play prominently is the one involving Kasperi Kapanen. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. It is not the fault of Ron Hextall and or Brian Burke that Kapanen is in the fold. Jim Rutherford was the one who, A, drafted him, B, traded him to good effect, and C, brought him back to not-so-good effect, giving up a first-round draft pick in the process. Kapanen has been a deep and expensive disappointment, but he's also been an albatross in the worst way, the one that's really not at all his fault. And it's that his $3.2 million cap hit has kept this management team from being able to do really anything. Yeah, they were able to move mountains to get Ricard Raquel from the Ducks in the short term. That's paid off. Raquel's been very good, certainly a lot better than Kapanen has been. But they had to give up assets in large part so that they could continue to manage their cap situation. Now, is it killing them that they don't have Zach Aston Reese or Dominic Simone? Killing, no. Has it hurt? Sure, of course it has. Those guys were a part of this team, a part of this system. And in the case of Aston Reese, part of the league's best penalty killing. Penguins have been okay on the PK without them. Not great, but you've also seen the absence of a real bottom six line with any definition or personality. And say what you want about Aston Reese never scoring goals when Aston Reese and Teddy Bluger and fill in the blank were on a line together. Whoever the blank might have been, whether that was Brock McGinn or before him, Brandon Tanev, it was an effective unit an effective five-on-five unit that could occasionally change the game for you. So even that was impacted by Kapanen's $3.2 million hit. And yet even that wasn't the worst impact, at least not in my eyes. To me, and boy, do I hate to be repetitive on stuff, but I'm sorry, this is just such a big issue for me. They would have been able to see guys from Wilkes-Barre at least a couple more. There are still movement restrictions. I'm talking about just from the cap standpoint. They would have been able to see more of Drew O'Connor, more of Valtteri Pustinen, more of Philip Hollander, more of guys who might have, and I'm emphasizing here might have, made a difference. Might have risen up, might have been a pleasant surprise. The kind of thing that really benefits an older roster late in the season. Someone comes along and gives you some juice, to borrow that Mike Sullivan term. Juice, he calls it. 
As it was, they'd show up only in emergency situations and they'd go right back down. Does anyone remember the game that Pustinen played? Does anyone remember how well he performed, how much he looked like? He'd be able to provide a lot of what this team's missing, not least of which is just a natural, seemingly effortless net front presence. Maybe he wouldn't have been that. Hence my repeated references to might. But you needed to find that out. And ever since the Raquel trade, the Penguins are roughly $11,000 or so away from the salary cap, which is as close to nothing as you get in that math. They haven't been able to do a thing. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Now, all of this would have been mitigated, of course, had Kapanen produced. Had he done something more with that wondrous speed of his and that tremendous release of his and all the other God-given gifts that he's got to play this game. But he, because of that skill set, needed to pop about 25 goals. And he also needed to be the type of player who could either help you out by becoming a fixture in the top six. Heaven knows he was given all kinds of opportunities to do that. Or he could be someone who picks up a bottom six line, who becomes the go-to guy. Uh, Dan Heinen hasn't been great, but I don't think he was expected to be great. What Heinen has done, to his credit, and I guess you could say this for McGinn as well, is when they've been in the bottom six, they've still found a way to occasionally score. They're the guy on their respective line who's expected to put one in every once in a while. When Capitan's gone to those lines, he's just vanished. I mean, other than, you know, the flying around and pulling up and pirouetting, it's it's not ever accurate to say he vanishes. He doesn't. He's always visible. It's just not getting anything done. And that's maddening. But at the same time, it's also been excruciatingly evident now for months. Now, I asked this question around the time of the NHL trade deadline, so this is not hindsight. I'm going to ask it again. Why wasn't he moved? You can't convince me that a player his age, and he's still young at 25, with all of those traits that you can't coach, couldn't have been moved to a Coyotes or a Senators or a team like that that's well below the cap and would very much benefit from being able to give someone like that a project kind of chance on their roster, even if it would just be for the remainder of this season. Maybe they'd be the ones that would, you know, flick on that light and make something happen. As it is, here's how this is going to play out. 
Kapanen, who's now a healthy scratch without even anybody raising an eyebrow over it, is not going to be tendered an offer through restricted free agency this summer. Unless Hextall and Burke have just lost their minds by then. And then he's just going to walk. And you're not going to get anything for him, including the cap relief that you could have gotten and needed leading into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Will it have been worth it to keep him around just in case? I don't know. Uh, Brian Rust and Ricard Raquel and every other right winger on the team were to go down with an injury heading into the first round. I mean, I guess you could make that argument. I wouldn't. They needed to just move him and move him for the cap hit savings. And they didn't. Now it's obviously water under the bridge. When we come back, just one question. Today's J1Q comes from Don Gregory, who asks, DK, aren't these Penguins really just the Penguins who we thought they were? Back in October, we all believed this would be a borderline playoff team. Finishing 7th or 8th in the conference is borderline. With the exception of that glorious run in December and January, this team has been mediocre. The depth guys exceeded expectations in the first half, all at the same time. Now they've all tanked at the same time. Something like water finding its own level. The stars have played mostly to their level, but no longer have that super heroic gear. Is it time to blow it up and rebuild? Don, you had me right up until the end. I'm sitting here nodding through the whole thing. Going, man, Don's really nailed it here. Don's on his game, man. <laughs> you know, he's on point. Let's send him out for a double shift. And then you come back with a blow it up and rebuild. You are not going to blow up the Pittsburgh Penguins for the duration of Sidney Patrick Crosby's NHL career. It will not happen. Now, we can all have different definitions of blowing it up, and maybe yours is different than mine. When I think of blow it up, I think of what the baseball team did across the river. That's blowing it up. That's blowing it up into smithereens where every player of worth who's over the age of 25 is just gonzo. That won't happen. That won't happen as long as Sid's here. Out of respect to what Sid's achieved and out of respect for the fact, and it is still a fact, that when you have one of the best players in the world on your roster... You continue to support him. You continue to build around him. Now, add on to that that you have a lot of other players on this roster who also are really pretty good, including one who now regularly outscores him, that, of course, being Jake Gensel. If you're doing a true blow-it-up, Jake is the first guy, not the last, the first guy you're trading because you can get yourself Killer assets and lots of them in exchange. You can pile up draft picks from here to the moon. 
You can pile up prospects. You can bring yourself two younger players who might be similar to Jake's pedigree in exchange for one Jake just because the other team would see Jake as somebody who could carry them or help carry them to the next level. That's blowing it up where I come from. Now, if your definition, Don, of blowing it up is blowing up the core, as it is with a lot of people who follow this particular franchise, that's a different discussion, and that's one that's worth having. My own stance on this, I'm open to having my mind changed by circumstances, but for now, it's that this team should and will hang on to Evgeny Malkin, and that it should might not hang on to Chris Letang. Replacing Letang in the lineup on the ice would be next to impossible in the short term. You don't have someone who can pick up his minutes. You don't have someone who can pick up his multiple roles. And oh, by the way, it's obviously way too late to trade him as well. So you're not getting anything in return other than his cap space. Is that blowing it up? I mean, I'll bet there are people who see it that way. For sure, blowing it up in a lot of people's minds would be both Malkin and Latang. And I've brought up myself how this team could be restructured if it had, what do those guys make cap hit-wise? I think it's 7.5 and 9.25. So close to $17 million in cap space, you can go out and get yourself a whole lot of hockey player. Throw in Kapanen's three, and you're now at $20 million that's just basically sitting around. Well, you get to keep Rust. You get to keep Raquel. You can sign Tristan Jari to a long-term deal. And then you can use the rest of that money to populate, first of all, a top six, because no team contends without a formidable top six. And then, with the rest of it, get back to a really gritty Sullivan-esque, in-your-face, bottom six. Meaning those guys that just get in people's faces the way the Penguins played earlier on this season when they were missing their stars. Those players aren't expensive, and they happen to be pretty useful if they're applied correctly. And Sullivan's really, really good at that. Now, can you win a cup like that? Eh, doubtful. You still pretty much need three significant lines to win in the NHL. Just look at recent history and find me any exceptions to that. But I'll tell you what, it wouldn't be prone to these hard fades that we've seen of late. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do one more of these tomorrow in advance of the regular season finale against the Blue Jackets. 